0: Assalamualaikum everyone i don't even know where to begin i don't know where to begin i'm at loss of words i've literally been sitting here crying for like the past two days i feel like no matter how many times i thank allah it is less you guys have changed everything oh my goodness if you follow me on tiktok and on my other social medias you know exactly what i'm talking about On Wednesday, I just kind of was on autopilot. Just kind of shared a little clip from my story that I have on here on my podcast. I just kind of shared a clip of it on TikTok. And in less than five hours, maybe near or even more, 500 brothers and sisters from the Ummah following me on my podcast, supporting my journey, DMing me. Like, it just wow like what happened i'm so confused and alhamdulillah you know mashallah i'm so blessed and i'm so grateful for this because you know i'm one of those people that i don't i don't understand how people would want to listen to me the amount of dms that you guys have sent me and the things that you guys have told me have shaken my soul i wish i could make this up i'm literally not this morning i opened up my tiktok and again i'm just shocked at like what's even happening you know i've never been the type of person that cares about followers or anything like that one thing i will say as it is is i never want to be famous i believe that being famous for you know how many followers you have or stuff like that it brings fitna what i want to be well-known for, is knowing that I saved someone, knowing that I changed someone. And that sounds cliche, but let me tell you guys something, and this is something for you to think about if you are feeling a little bit stuck on your journey. If you change one person's life, you've automatically opened up the doors to changing 10 more people's lives because that one person will pass down whatever you help them with, and it, it starts a train. And those 10 people pass it down to another 10 people. So now imagine if you change the life of 10, 20 people in your entire lifetime. Think about how that will continue to spread. That's why, especially in Islam, it's so important that you know we're so kind to everyone. We help everyone, even smiling. It's a sunnah, bro. Like, I cannot put into words, like, the smallest things make my day. Sometimes when people DM me, they're like, hey, I like your post, it makes my day. When people DM me, they're like, hey, your podcast sounds amazing, it makes my day. Even in school, like, when a girl's like, hey, you look pretty, I'm just like, I'm about to cry right then and there. Like, it's small things that make someone's day that change the way that they view a bigger picture. So, Please, please always be kind. Besides the point, anyway. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm at loss of words. You know, the thing is, like I was saying, I never want to be famous. I never want that. But I do want to, in a positive, positive, positive manner, influence the younger Muslim generation. The problem that I've noticed is that we have a lot of scholars, mashallah, they're amazing, but they target a lot of the older audience. So it's very, very hard to find, you know, someone that talks about, the normal teen things that we all go through, and I'm not even near a scholar. Nothing. I'm nothing, y'all. I'm nothing. But I've been through it, and it's just beautiful to see how all these, you know, these kids and all these teens, just everyone, we're just reunited on the same thing, and it warms my heart. A brother tagged me in a TikTok and that he made, and it was, like, his life before, and everything that he used to do, you know, partying and whatnot, and then his life after, and, like, how he got back on his theme, and then, like, he was, like, quoting every st- stuff that I said from my podcast and he was just saying how like it was amazing and like I when I saw that I bursted crying like I wish I could make this up I'm still shaking after seeing that like you know it warms my heart because some people they've even told me on DM they're like I listen to you every single morning I listen to you when I'm getting ready I listen to you when I'm sad I listen to you every single day your podcast was the only podcast I ever listened to actually paid attention to like you know you've changed my life didn't like I'm reading these and I'm just like shocked You know what I'm saying? Because I know me and Allah knows me. And if you want me to be really honest with you, the only reason why so many of you are even impressed with what I have to put out there is because Allah has covered my sins and it's all Allah. It's not me. So anything good, it ain't from me. It's from God automatically. Any single good thing that you see, anything, it ain't from me. It's from God. You know, you people say that I changed your life and this isn't that. No, no, not me. It was God. And, you know, I'm to share something with you guys on Insight before I get into the topic, really, if you guys listen to my story, and you guys really listen to just any of my episodes, I constantly talk about how, you know, I got deceived, or I had people that left me, or this, this, this happened. Like, I always talk about how, you know, sometimes you have to cut off people for the sake of Allah, and it's the most painful thing that you can do. And it's very hard to sometimes feel unloved by the people closest to you. And that was something I talked very much about and i remember when i was cutting off people that you know i struggled to i used to sit there and i used to think I was like i know Allah's going to give me something better but what will it be because in the place in the state where i live i don't see this coming so when am i going to get this better and miraculously literally these literally it's been less than like 48 hours and i'm so humbled and life has changed completely I just really want to say thank you because I never want to be those people that think they're too arrogant or think that they're too cool. Guys, I'm far from that. I always tell you guys to shoot me a DM if you need anything. And I'm so glad that people are actually DMing me. And when I respond, people get so shocked. Like, guys, I'm a normal person. For real. I'm, there's don't nothing special here. Nothing. Normal person. And I'm not saying this to act humble. I'm genuinely just so happy guys and i make dua i make dua that allah keeps each and every single one of you steadfast and happy i've heard some of you guys' story you guys were so kind enough to tell me some of the things that you're going through and i value them and i value your story and i value everything that you're going through and i pray that allah makes it easy for you yeah i just wanted to address that because for me to ignore that would be so ignorant and rude that i just couldn't like i've you guys have shaken up my heart and hearing your stories has made me realize that, you know what, no matter what happens, if you keep trust in God, God's going to take you places, always, always, without a shadow of a doubt. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm humbled and I'm beyond grateful. I truly do not deserve any of this, but thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your day and allowing me to impact your heart in some way. So today's episode is going to be a little compilation of a few things. I've reached out to you guys on Instagram, on Discord, and a bunch of other places asking you guys, what do you guys want to see? What do you guys want to hear next? And a lot of people gave me similar topics that lined up in one big subject. So this episode will be addressing that. So this is going to be quite lengthy, but this essentially is going to be life transformations in the light of Islam. How you can change your life, how you can become a better person, how you can become a better Muslim. So everything in here will be a discussion on how you can become a better Muslim. To so give you a few little sub points on what I will be talking about. I'll be talking about, you know, wearing the hijab, modesty, your friends, cultural differences, the lack of community, worthy prayers. Some of you might hear this, you might feel confused. I'll get into that mental health, sabr, wakal, all of those things, just big, 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 big factors. That will change your everyday life. So the reason why I'm talking about this is because we always hear that we should be good Muslims. We always hear that we should wear the hijab. We always hear that we should dress modest. We always hear that, you know, you should be involved in your community. That you should be kind. That you should be praying like this. That your mental health should be good. Your spiritual health should be good. We always hear these things. We are always hearing the expectations, but not the journey. Not what it takes to become at that point. You know, especially when you're a girl, the first thing you always hear is you should dress modest. But no one tells you how to come to that point. So, around that area, that's what I'm going to be talking about. The two big things that change everything for you in becoming a better Muslim is your environment, your physical, everything around you, and two, your internal, your emotional and spiritual being. And I'm going to get back to this topic and I will point this out again. But I wanted to start off by just telling you that these two factors, they change everything. So... First of all, if you're seeking at some other place, stop it right now. These are the two factors that are going to change the game. So I'll get back to that. I want to start this episode off with an analogy. I think analogies are beautiful. So this is an analogy and everything else that I'm going to be talking about is going to come back and reroute back to what I said earlier. So just stick with me here. Let's say you have a driveway, a very small driveway, and it's broken down you know it's muddy and dirty and in that driveway you have a car this car doesn't work it's broken the engine doesn't work it's just horrible the car doesn't work it's no good so evidently you're saving up money so you can buy yourself a brand new car and this new car is all you can ever think about you're daydreaming about this car you're night dreaming just anything you're this is your car And this is like your baby, like this is all you're thinking about. I don't know about you guys, but four wheels in a box will do for me. But besides the point, (laughs) this car is everything that you can think about. So obviously, when you have enough money to buy this car, you're not going to hesitate. You're going to go straight to the dealership. You're going to buy the car. You're going to bring it home. And it won't be until you bring it home, you'll realize that you have no place to put your brand new car. Because your driveway is still taken up by that old little broken down car. Now the question comes down to, what am I going to do with this car? Evidently, you're going to get it towed, you're going to get it picked up, you're going to get your driveway clean, and then you're going to slide in your brand new car, right? Now listen to me, your heart, very much the same. A lot of us are sitting here complaining that our dua is not being answered, that Allah is not listening to us, that we are not getting what we want, that we're not receiving the blessings that we deserve. The question is, are you even ready to receive what you are asking for? You know Every single heart, let's be evident, we got toxic traits, we got trash in us, we have a lot of stuff that we need to be cleaning out. And a lot of times we're asking Allah for good things when we aren't willing to change our condition and pull some of that garbage out. And I know that for a lot of us, I know there's also a majority of people who do genuinely try their best. They do genuinely try to clean out their heart, take care of themselves, take out that garbage, I get that. But you also need to realize how much of you is ready to receive this blessing that you're asking God for. You know, one of the hardest things to ever deal with is having your du'as not answered. Because you put your fullest into it, you put your energy into it, and then it didn't come true, and now you're questioning where you went wrong, or if you're not good enough, or this, this, and that. Let me tell you something. I guarantee you, anyone listening to this, 99.98% of the people, you want to be wealthy, you want to be rich, you want to be successful. Let's say I told you that in August of... 2023, I don't know, September, whatever, you are going to become filthy rich. And I'm like, this is it? Like, let's say God actually told you, forget me, let's say God told you that January 2022, filthy rich, bro, you're gonna be rich. That's it. You know, like, you're not gonna work no more. Elon Musk, who? Like, you are gonna be rich. How are you gonna act until January 1st? Me and you both know that you ain't gonna be humble about this. You're going to have this guy up on top of your head. You're going to be driving everyone insane. Your attitude will change. You won't care about working hard anymore. You won't care about making dua anymore. You won't care about sitting there making prayer anymore. Because you already know that, oh yeah, when January 2022 comes, I'm going to be filthy rich. God told me I got no worries. Right? And so, that's the thing. God delivers His packages, His hope, His everything. Your duas, your answers to those that keep faith. And this is where the discussion of the comes in. Those that keep faith will receive from God. But if you are falling out of faith, you're falling out of hope, why should God give you what you're asking for? I know that this may sound harsh, and I know that there's certain situations where we cannot even control it. But as long as you're trying your best, you're good, right? But I know there's certain people that genuinely just don't keep faith. So it comes down to why are you, what are you expecting? You know what I'm saying? You need to believe that Allah is self-sufficient. You need to believe that He's sufficient for you as well, that Whatever you ask for, you'll receive. We put in the request. God gives it to us if it's good for us. If it's not good for us, he gives us something 10 times better. But when will it deliver? We don't know. And that's the thing. If you drive yourself insane over when this little answer of yours will come, you're losing the track and the purpose of life. Life is to live as it is. Life is to appreciate as it is. You're not going to appreciate money till you have none. You're not going to appreciate having good food till you have no food. You're not going to appreciate having a home till you have no home. So you got to go through these things to appreciate what you are asking God for. You get me? So that's something that I really want to tell you guys. You put in the request. Our job is to put in the request and now let it go. Let it go. God's going to give it when time is right. So I really want to preface that because our job is to put in the request of becoming a better Muslim. Put in the intention. Put in the work. And then after that, we let it go. That's it. You can only do so much. So I wanted to start off my first big topic in regards to school, in regards to balancing your school and balancing your dean. This was a topic that a lot of people told me about, so this is something that I, I felt really important to talk about. I have made a few episodes on this type of stuff before, but they were very short, so this one's going to be a lot more in detail in regards to these topics. One thing I always hear, and one thing I even go through myself, is that a lot of my audience is actually one older than me, which is shocking, but... we all go to school we all go to college uni whatever and it becomes very very difficult to balance you know education and then also balancing the five prayers anytime i tell people that we pray five times a day they're like you mean five times a month five times a week no no no. i'm muslim five times a day and they always get so shocked and one thing that i always hear people say is if you pray five times a day how do you have time for yourself how do you have time to be happy how do you have time to live your life and you know at first, when I was young, I used to think like this too. But let me tell you something. Research has proved that you know meditation and all these things are so important for you and that you should be doing them in time gaps throughout your day. You shouldn't do them all at once because you know it's going to ruin off the flow. But you should be meditating, taking moments, you know, reflecting, having all this gratitude multiple times throughout your day. Girl, me and you both know that I think you just need some prayer. That sounds like you need some prayer because that's exactly what we're doing here. That's exactly what we do in Islam. So anytime I tell people that we pray five times a day, they get so shocked. They're like, how do you live life? I'm going to tell you something. Gift was given as a prayer to our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And when you start to treat prayer like a gift, you're going to notice your own life changing. I know that a lot of people, when they pray, it feels like burdensome and they don't have a connection. They don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. But let me tell you, every single person wants success every single person's going to school working their butt off getting their phd you want success yet in the adhan i'm pretty sure twice they say come to success yet majority of us don't go your success is going to start off from the prayer mat your success is going to start off from allah because he's the one that controls everything what in your mind makes you think that you sitting there pulling up all-nighters you know working your hardest is going to get you successful the same way that god will get you successful If God wanted to, he can change your life in a matter of two hours. Trust me. You could become the new Elon Musk right now. Why am I referring to Elon Musk, man? Jeff Bezos it is. Jeff Bezos. You could become the Jeff Bezos right now. You could become filthy rich right now. But that's not how it works. It's about the journey that takes you to become that. And evidently, if you're not going to go through struggle, how are you going to appreciate success? Simple. So your success starts off from the prayer mat. And if you automatically dismiss you know, your prayers, you dismiss Islam, you dismiss the concept of God, you're just working your butt off thinking that that will be self-sufficient, that's not going to work through all the way, and even if it does, you should be concerned, you know, I always tell this to people, I'm like, if your life is going great, and you're not praying, and you're not doing anything wrong, like, mm, are you not worried? Like, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, Allah doesn't test me. I don't really pray. I go out. I drink. I party. I dance. I mean, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. But like, you know, I'm just I do whatever I want. I'm just, I'm just like, mm, girl, you need to be worried. You need to be worried because maybe God's giving you this life instead of the next. And I'm sorry, but this life, mm-mm, girl, no way. Don't sell yourself short. There's this beautiful quote. And it says, if you sell this life for the next, you win both. If you sell the next life for this life, you lose both. So remember that whenever you sell everything you have on this earth, let it go off on a sale, you're purchasing a lot more, your value increases, your worth increases, because you're not worried about the stupid things that we have a lot that we have around us. You're not worried about, you know, the stupid normal conditions that are around us. You're worried about a bigger picture and the bigger picture is what's going to take you farther. So one thing I do want to say is when trying to become successful, you know, going to school and all these things, it's. It's a lot. It can smack you in the face. Because, you know, you're trying to balance homework. And you're also trying to balance schoolwork. I'm sorry. Schoolwork and prayers. (laughs) So, it becomes very difficult. Also, can y'all tell that I'm really congested? Do I sound congested? I'm so sorry. I've been so congested. And I've been trying to film this for so long. But I just keep messing up. Because I sound so congested. And, you know, people, they always tell me, like, you have such a soothing voice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. If I this congestion is getting to you. I'm really sorry. Anyway, besides the point. So... It can become very difficult. And I remember so many times in my own life when I would be sitting there, you know, doing my homework and I'd hear the Adhan, and I would just be like, <laughs> I can't figure this homework out. And I'd be so stressed out and I'd be so upset and I'd be like, OK, hold on. I'm just not going to pray yet. I'm going to figure out this one problem and then I'm going to go pray. And that one problem would never finish. And then right after I would go pray and I'd ask Allah for help and I'd come back, it would automatically just start moving a lot more in my brain and make a lot more sense. So that's something to remember. Remember that if you are expecting ease, you're expecting success, you're expecting all these things, you're going to have to work for it. Not just in this earth, but in the hereafter. You're going to have to work for it by building up your hereafter, by building up the concept of trust in God. So that is something that really changed the game for me. Remembering that in the Azan they literally say, come to success. And if you want to become successful in school, you want to become successful on this earth, then you cannot neglect that the the ratio doesn't add up no ma'am the math doesn't do it you gotta do it you gotta do your prayers you gotta get back on your deen and let me tell you something no one is expecting you to become a hafiz overnight to like you know be perfect at what you do if you haven't prayed in like 20 25 years getting back on all your five prayers is not going to be easy but it's not impossible because God will never tell you to do something that is impossible. That's exactly where that ayah from the Quran comes in where they say that Allah does not burden a soul more than it can bear. So if you think that you cannot bear doing schoolwork and prayers, you are goddamn wrong, bro. You are wrong. I'm sorry. I know that sounds harsh, but you're wrong. Because God would have never put the obligation on you if he knew you couldn't handle it. So automatically, just know that you are limiting yourself. When you skip prayers and you're not doing your prayers, you're not on your deen, you're not hurting no one. You're not hurting anyone. You're not hurting God. You're hurting yourself. You're neglecting yourself. You're cutting yourself short. You are being your own enemy and you're stopping your own self from succeeding. And I tell this to everyone. Why are you your own enemy when God is with you? When God is not through with you? When you're still waking up every single day in the morning? What makes you become your own enemy? And you know, the first step of really becoming our own enemy is we stop praying. We stop meeting with the one that loves us tremendously. It's strange. It's strange. It's really something that I need you guys to think about. So when it comes to balancing, you know, your spiritual affairs and whatever you have to do on the world, always prioritize your spiritual affairs. Because when you fix the spiritual, you automatically fix this. It's like a buy one, get one free, bro. You automatically fix the spiritual affairs, worldly affairs will fall right into place. If you're too busy fixing the worldly affairs, you're going to lose both of them. Spiritually, you're going to lose and worldly, you're going to lose because you've lost track of the sight. So remember that. That's the biggest piece of advice that I can give to all my people that are still in school. And I'm still in school. Pfft. But yeah, that's that's the biggest piece of advice that I can give you guys on that topic. So that automatically will help you become a better Muslim. So remember that. The next thing that I wanted to talk about was a little bit heartfelt. And this one's for my girls. This is about hijab and modesty. And this plays a big role. This is another physical environmental factor that I mentioned earlier that will help you become a better Muslim the thing about wearing the hijab and the thing about becoming modest is that we're told we're supposed to do it but no one tells you how you reach that point i'm the only hijabi person in my school and when people see me girl i remember it was open house i went the stairs like it was like flabbergasting I, you know i don't really there's not many muslims where i at so even when i go to walmart or like target oh my god y'all mini story time i remember when I was like, you know, really trying to get comfortable in the hijab, I went to Walmart one time, not Walmart, Target, I went to Target one time, standing in the middle of the Target, I'm like, dang, bro, I am the freaking Target, I am the Target, because the way everyone was looking at me, I was just like, "Mm." I wanted to hide under a rock, bro, I was just like, oh my god, bury me, bury me alive, you know, the scary part is when you first start wearing the hijab, it's like, You feel like every single person's looking at you. Like, every single person's like, who is this weirdo? What is she doing? Why is she having that on her head? Like, you literally feel that. Let me tell you something. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Not one person cares. I'm serious, girls. Nobody cares. I remember when I first, like, you know, was getting comfortable and whatnot. And I went to Target. And I was just standing there. I'm like, I was standing in the copy paper aisle, too. I remember, like, it was yesterday in the printer paper aisle. And I was just like... (sighs) i was just i was about ready to cry i was just like i want to go home and i was like i'm not having fun anymore this isn't fun i want to go home i can't do this and i felt like everyone was looking at me and then after that i went to another store and i was looking around the store and everybody was just shopping they were just minding their own business you know buying their pens their candies and whatever they were just minding their business and i'm like am i worrying my own self because honestly i am and i was like girl no one's looking at you, no one's worried, no one's gonna pull it off your head, I mean, I know in some places that's a really big concern, and I was really panicked about that, especially because the I live in the south, I don't think I'd just say anymore after that, but I live in the south, so automatically, you know, you get really hesitant and nervous, and it becomes a lot, but when I really started looking around, I'm like, not one person's freaking looking at me, I'm thinking about me being terrorized more than I am more than likely chance of it happening and i was like why am i being my own enemy and i remember I, I, that day i was like "Uh-uh, not going out not wearing it again absolutely not i'm staying at home y'all know what i did the next day i caught up and i wore it again i went out <laughs> and that will alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah it's a part of me i can't let it go and it's beautiful because you know once you put the hijab on your head it's like letting go of it so difficult it's impossible because it feels like it's a part of you like the modesty, the respect, the symbolism that it brings to you—it's eye-opening. You realize that you're not like every other girl, like as to you know, show off their hair. And let me be honest with you: if you're a hijabi girl, you know that if you show your hair, with, like your other girlfriends, they're automatically like, "Oh my God, you look so much more prettier without it." You know that everyone says that. All the girls—they say that to other girls. They're like, "Wow, we look so much more pretty without our hijab." Girl, you know what's even more beautiful than the way that you look? The courage that you have to put it on your head in a world where every single person is ready to literally drag you for it. I think that's more beautiful. I think it's beautiful to have the courage and wake up every day and realize that, hey, like, I love my hair, it makes me look pretty, but I'm going to cover it up for the sake of God. I'm going to put it away, I'm going to dress modest, I'm going to do whatever again for the sake of God. You know, the hijab is more than covering your hair. It's—it's it's, You're literally a symbolism of Islam. I walk down the street, automatically everyone knows I'm Muslim. That's, that's the beauty of it, right? So you're more than just covering your hair. You're more than just trusting modest your symbolism. You are re- representing Islam. And I think that's beautiful. And I think it's beautiful that us women, you know, women are really looked down upon in society. Let's talk about this real quick. They are. People treat women very, very poorly In a lot of circumstances. Which has honestly kind of started the feminist movement. And I don't want to talk much about this. But I will say one thing from the bottom of my heart. I might get cancelled. The rights that Islam has given women. If properly implied. Completely wash out feminism. There's no need for feminism. When Islam is truly followed. The feminist movement started for a good reason. It started in the right places. But what we are Nourishing and harvesting today, Mm-mm. but I did want to preface that because girl, seriously, the rights that Islam has given us, the one that has God given us, has been far more great than anything. Literally, me and you are queens. We do not even have to do anything, and it's it's beautiful in my opinion. But obviously, you know, as life goes on, there's there's you know, it's, you know how the dunya is. It gets a little bit complicated. But make sure that you learn your rights and make sure that you know how to imply them when time comes. So anyway, besides that, when being a hijabi, automatically your symbolism, everyone knows you're Muslim. So that that could make you a target to some people, yes. There's evidently two ways we can go about this. One, you can sit there and think, wow, I'm the only hijabi. I feel ugly. Look at this girl. She's dyeing her hair. She's curling her hair. I can't do that. I can't show my hair. People, I'm feeling horrible. I'm feeling suffocation. You can think that. Or two, you can think, I'm the only person in this entire room, in this entire county, in this entire school, that has gotten the confidence and the courage to put something on my head that is not only a symbolism of my religion, but a part of me. I'm so confident in my faith that I am willing to represent my faith on the outside. And that, my girl, on period, you got that, do that. I was talking to this girl recently on DM she talked to me about how she struggled to wear the hijab some girls that wear the hijab when they're really really young like when they're eight by the time they're like you know in their 20s or they're 19 then they want to take it off because it's kind of like oh i've had it on my whole life you know what's happening why am i doing it it's not easy but let me tell you something you know when you're young and you're like you know seven or eight you want to wear the hijab because It's pretty and, you know, your parents wear it and whatever. And you think it's beautiful when you're young. Then as you grow old, you realize that the hijab automatically protects you from a lot of things. We as hijabis, I don't know about you, but especially where I'm at, we get rooted out like nobody's business. Like if you're a hijabi, people give you weird stares. People don't want to hang out with you i'm sorry i'd rather not hang out with company that judges someone based on their religion based on their appearance and knock off anyway so honestly in my opinion i'm dodging a bullet by not getting close to you by not hanging out with you because if you're this religiously intolerant what am i gonna do being your friend I don't like people like that. That's not my cup of tea. So, honestly, my girls, we're dodging a bullet. Do not ever feel bad for yourself. Do not hold sympathy for yourself. You are doing something that Allah has commanded you to do. And if you are hesitant about wearing the hijab, I want to put on one question for you. This question is not meant to be harsh, it's not meant to be mean. But one day you're going to stand in front of Allah and you're going to have to explain to him why you were more scared of the people's stares, the things that people would have said, why you were more scared of his creation than you were scared of your own creator. And I want to be honest with you. Me and you both know you can't answer that question. stop being scared of what people are going to say to you stop being scared of what people are going to act about you your job is not to worry about how others are going to react you know there's this beautiful quote it's a life is 10% of what happened to you 90% of how you go about it 90% of how you react to it right so 10% people go crazy people hate you people are not happy that you're wearing the job the other 90% you can listen to what they're saying take it off completely fall off the track of your dean or you can again focus on that 90% Keep it on. Focus on why you're doing it. Focus on how this empowers you, how it protects you. And then bam, you are leveling yourself up to new highs. You're doing great. So think of that. Your hijab is more than a piece of scarf. It's more than just something on your head. You are so confident to show your faith. I'm proud of you. The next thing that I really wanted to come and talk about while we're on the same topic is of modesty. You know, modesty, some people in Arabic, I'm pretty sure it's called haya. It's not just what you wear. Yes, like I mentioned with the hijab, it's important, you know, you're covering yourself, dressing modest, you know, whatever. Modesty is also in the way that you carry yourself. And that's why I tell you, man, Muslim girls, girls, y- y'all are such queens. I'm serious, y'all are such queens. I hope you're smiling listening to this. You better be. If you're not, do it right now. Okay, good? We are such queens because, you know, let me tell you something Beautiful they see your outside people first of all they don't get to see the whole you one thing about the hijab and dressing modest that i've noticed is that it doesn't restrict us it restricts other people when people are used to seeing your hair they're used to seeing your body shape they're used to seeing the way that you are and now they cannot see it anymore for their own self entertainment and their self-satisfaction it pisses them off it oppresses them in return they try to tell you that you're oppressed because they are not getting the same fulfillment when in real life you're not you're not oppressed You're just deciding on what you want to show and what you don't want to show. But what you don't want to show is not common. You know what I'm saying? It's common to show your hair. It's common to wear tight clothes. So when you're doing something that's not common, people automatically get a little bit uncomfy. But that's when we got to cut those people off because we don't got space for that on our journey. Anyway, so when it comes to haya and modesty and all these things, that also starts from your heart. The way that you choose to handle yourself around people. The way that you embrace not just other people, but also yourself, the way that you treat yourself, so treat yourself with kindness, treat yourself with goodness, you know, I know a lot of hijabis, who like, they're full-on full hijabis, you know, trust in Mars and then I hear from some people that they're mean, or that, you know, they're like this, they're like that, you know, kindness, I believe, is a very big part of faith, so be kind to everyone, do not think that you're better than anyone, just because, you know, you may know more, you may be on the deen more, and I never think that you can be, like, on the dean. I never think you'd be too religious, like, like, who are we to determine that? You know what I'm saying? There's always room for growth, but if you're more knowledgeable than someone else, do not think you're better than them. If becoming more religious is making you more stern and more bitter and more all of this, recheck your life. Recheck, 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 recheck. take a backtrack. We shouldn't be coming that. We should not be coming bitter to people just because they're becoming religious. Take a step back. And I know a lot of you guys probably listen to this and you... Are resonating, and I understand it's hard to be around people that may or may not want to. You know, they don't care that much about Islam. They don't care that much about self development, self growth, and it becomes a little suffocating. I understand, but your journey is your journey, and we're not going to bleed on other people. We're not going to be disrespectful to other people, and just because we're becoming more religious, becoming better people, we're not gonna we're not gonna look down upon others. We don't do that, okay? Now that I got that little mom lesson out there, be nice to people. Um. That's really all I could say on that. And one thing I do want to mention here is that the friends that you make make or break your situation. You know, I know certain people that when I was like, hey, you know, this is on my mind. I'm feeling this or, you know, I'm going through this spiritually. Drop everything to start texting me. Here you go. Like, do this, do that, do that. Don't be scared of nobody. Go put on your hijab. You're a queen. You're this, this. Just like everything, everything, like paragraphs and paragraphs supporting the crap out of me. And I also know a group of people. That when I tried to become more religious, or I even mentioned the word Islam, they would laugh, and they would make jokes, and they would, you know, laugh about it. They'd be like, girl, you can't get back in that fold. Like, you were too sinful, you've fallen out, you're not good. And, you know, they, they kept very negative views on Islam, so it's not our job to... Educate everyone because let's be honest, me and you both know that Islam is not a religion of terrorism, but you know, that's kind of the perception they kept. So, I've seen both end of the spectrums, and I decided to go with the spectrum of going with Islam. I remember when I used to live my life, you know, just doing whatever I wanted, hanging around the wrong people, I wasn't happy. And I tell this to everyone I'm like, if you think That chasing your desires are going to make you happy. You're crazy. Your desires don't always want what's good for you. Sometimes your desires are out there to get you. How many of y'all sit there and you, you know, if you had an addiction, you want to go back and get addicted again. You want to go back and start drinking again. Is it good for you? No, it's not. So your desires are not always good for you. They're not always here to help you. So, and if you don't believe me, I'm sorry. But like when you chase your desires, you end up heartbroken. You're going to come back straight back to the square and you're going to realize Chasing your desires gets you nowhere. So it's better to just, you know, worship God. Just live with God and follow God's commandments because there's something better in everything. So you need to surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you to put on this hijab, that are going to encourage you to dress modest, to be modest, to be kind, that want you to get back on your relationship with God. And if you don't have those people around you, I'm telling you, no company is better than bad company. Here's the thing. When you have no company, the biggest really downfall is that you're lonely you know sometimes you get really really depressed it becomes a little bit hard you can kind of fall into a spiral of negative thoughts that's really it and you know if you get suffocating sometimes you can end up feeling lonely um what is it called questioning the purpose of life right but when you're with a bad group of people they can take you to extents that you didn't even know you can go to they can make you a felon overnight trust me they can make you a felon overnight they can make you do insane stuff And I don't know, man, you tell me which one's easier to get out of. Is it more easier to get out of your own nuffs, your own thoughts, your own war within yourself? Or is it easier to get out of of the war you have with people and then the war you also have with yourself? That's two. That's two wars at once. As compared to the first one, it's just one war within yourself. And I went through all of that. I remember when I was hanging around the wrong group of people, like I mentioned this all the time, I was scared to let go. Because it's just, it was a sense of comfort, Right? And then I had to let go. First, I had to do a war within myself every single day. And then I had to do a war outside. And, you know, when I cut off these people, I can't even put into words what happened. All hell broke loose. They made me look like the worst person. They made me look like I was crazy. You know, people, they, they'll they treat you bad. They'll want you to get out of character. And then they'll call you crazy. They called me crazy. They said everything. Everything known to man. You know, they had a lot to say in regards to religion. They just insulted the crap out of me. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. It was just, I didn't know when I'd be ready for it. And the way that I cut off my friendship with all these people, is actually a very long story, and I might have to share that some other day. But it wasn't, it wasn't like a little easy thing where I was like, hey, I feel away from my religion, so I'm cutting you off. No, 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 no. It was drama, man. It was a drama. It was a disaster. It was... It was really Allah pushing it. It was Allah really pushing it, bro. It wasn't me. It was Allah. He made circumstances in a way that I had no choice. And I had to let go. It was Allah. So I'll probably talk about that one day. Maybe if you guys are interested. But... With the circumstances that Allah made, I knew that me going back in certain friendships or in certain situations would have not benefited me anymore. So I had to let go. And when I let go, you know, it was all hell broke loose. It was, she's crazy. She's bad. She's psycho. This is what happens to her. This is the biggest secret. You know, just a runny mouth. And let me tell you something. The most strongest person is a person that can keep a secret. They never kept a secret. (laughs) Everything about me was with everyone. And it hurt. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you... When you start off becoming friends with someone and you're really close to people, evidently, you know, they've seen vulnerable sides of you. They've seen sides of you cry. They've seen sides of you happy. And the people that I used to be around used to see a lot of me. They used to see me cry all the time. They used to see me literally almost suffocate and cry and throw up and just everything. Like, they've seen the worst parts of me. And so, you know, when when those parts, those things that you're supposed to take with you to the grave, they are out there for everyone to hear, it ruins not only your perception on yourself, but it ruins everyone's perception about you, and that's why I tell you, what people think about you doesn't matter, I literally had people texting me, and they were like, were you really like this, and you know, it's like one story, but you know, when people, they don't like you, they gossip, they had like 10 more in the one story, so it's just all these lies mixed with this truth, mixed with this, mixed with that, and it just hurts, it hurts to see everything fall apart. But it was something I couldn't avoid. And I remember everyone had something to say. So your girl went MIA. And, you know, if you listen to my story, you know after that, all this happened. Went MIA completely. And can I be honest with you? Most of it went under the water. (laughs) Some of it, it's still actually, really, well, no, no. A majority of everything went under the water. Everything. No one really recognizes who I am anymore. Especially like when I go back to school, like now it's been so different with the person I was before and the person that I am now. And I'm talking about the same school where all of this happened. If you ever listen to my episode I shared about like this group of people and everything, yes, I'm I'm still in the same school. I'm still around the same people, but the difference is that now I have my dean with me. I have Islam with me. So it really makes people hesitant to talk about your past because now you know like you're someone brand new. I tell this to everyone. If you're around people that remind you of your past. Remind you that you were such a bad person at one point, drop them, let them go. And I, you know, one of the biggest advices I'm always like, drop them, drop them, drop them because your friends are meant to uplift you. We've made we've changed the definition of a friend. If they're not uplifting you, why are you dealing with your crap? Come on, bro, pack them up and let them go. Let's go. So, your good friends will really help you on your journey from the hijab. And if you do not have any friends, do not worry. Um, I post episodes every week, okay i'm kidding but you could obviously shoot me a dm but besides that if you don't have any good friends especially in your community remember that sometimes we go through stages of isolation so we could get better close to god it's unavoidable you know that's the thing you're not going to appreciate anything unless you take the long way there is no shortcut to life no way none you're gonna have to take the long way you're gonna have to go through everything but when you go through it you're gonna appreciate it right so that's my point. You're going to have to go through it to appreciate it. And sometimes it comes to a point where you're thinking to yourself, you're like, you've been so fed up. Your, your dua is not getting answered. Nothing's changing for you. You're just so fed up. And you're like, can Allah give me whatever I want? I know like, I'm appreciated, appreciate it. You know it's going to be a big blessing for me. Like, I know I'm going to be so grateful for it. You know, I want you to look at this journey that you have from when you started making dua for something and where you stand at now. And I'm talking about a dua that was unanswered, that you begged God for. In this journey, you probably became a lot more closer to God than you ever were before. You know, something funny that I tell people, if you listen to my story, I talked about a test. About a test that I had to take for school, and I was just flunking the crap out of it, did not pass it. I used to wake up for the hajj. I did everything like that, took a toll on me. It wasn't the test. It was the fact that my dua wasn't getting answered. It was the fact that I was always, you know, getting whatever I want from Allah. Alhamdulillah. And then this, like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, it was kind of like, what's happening? Why, 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 why? And it was just so many whys as to why it wasn't getting answered. You know, I made dua for it. even Ramadan. Everything. And it just wasn't. And... It wasn't the test that drove me insane. It was the fact that my thought wasn't wasn't answering that drove me insane. And it subconsciously started creating fears in me and doubts in me. And I started to realize that when you fear failure, you are going to fail. If you fear failure, you're going to fail, okay? Let me repeat that for my girls. If you fear failure, you're going to fail. Why are you fearing something that hasn't happened yet? Do not cheat on your future self with anxiety, laziness, sadness, you know, worry don't 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 do that don't do that why are you fearing something that hasn't happened you're fearing that you're gonna feel that all this is gonna happen i remember i used to take the test and it was the second winter when i went to go take it and i was just shaking i was like i can't do this i can't do this and i'm not even lying to y'all i don't know if i've mentioned this but my second time taking the test i started crying (laughs) i think it's really obvious by now by all my episodes that i cry a lot but i started crying I was literally sitting there crying, and I had, like, you know, my job and everything on, I was just, I was sitting there, no one saw my face, don't worry, guys, I always mention that part as well, I was just sitting there, and I was crying, and, like, I was trying to bubble in the answers, and, like, my tears were just flooding the scantron, it was, it's cute, not that I do think about it, but, you know, it was really sad in the moment, because it wasn't, it wasn't just the test being hard, but it was, like, I knew in that moment that I flunked the crap out of it, and I was, like, I failed. Which means automatically, I have to go back on the prayer going to go back to beg God again, and it drove me insane. That journey of just having to ask God every single time, that like, "Oh, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this." Like, I got tired of telling, and I wanted it. I got tired of even hearing it. So that was something. And I remember I was just crying, and I got in the car, and my mom came to get me. She was like, "How to go?" And I was just, I just silent. I was just like, mm, you know, I don't think I, I did great. And she was like, "All right, let's go to Target." <laughs> and she took me to target and we had a pastry and it was good but you know i came home and i just i didn't even cry i didn't have the energy to cry and i didn't make the law after that either i was just kind of quiet about it and then when my raids came hysterical hell broke loose I cried a lot was sad a lot months and months and then i was like you know what if it's for me saying you're gonna miss me at one point i was like shoot i'm gonna I'm become an entrepreneur i'm not gonna go to college um this is this is the route god's putting me on it don't worry guys I'm, I'm heading to college you now. Don't worry, I promise. I promise. <laughs> I promise I'm going to college. I'm not doing anything. I'm good. So, you know, it's that situation always reminds me that, you know, unanswered duas take you places. And if, if my dua never got answered, I wouldn't be here today. You know, people, they see me, and they're like, wow, you're so religious. How did all this happen? y'all?" it's because my dua never got answered. My dua for that never got answered on time. And since I got so desperate... I started seeking and doing everything and anything in Islam to get your du'a answered. You know, I started fixing my prayers. I started, I always prayed, but like I started putting more intention into it. I started doing everything that I could, you know, like learning new I started remembering I scholars, just anything and everything was you girl was there. And I didn't realize that in this journey, like I was becoming someone that I, I always dreamed to be. But this stupid test was my pushing factor and I hated it. And trust me, I still do. Like when people mention it to me, I'm just like, "Mm, don't say that word in front of me. I'm going to punch the crap out of you because I hate that test, bro. Mm. And if I have the chance to sue without hesitation, I would. Besides the point. Anyway, so when making good friends, it becomes difficult. And one thing that I do want to talk about on here is cultural differences and lack of care in a community. You know, there's two types of communities when it comes to our little muslim community one there's no community at all there's like five six people and they're very gatekeeping they keep to themselves they do not let anyone in or two the community is so big that you can't find a little loophole to slide into because again in that big community everyone has their own little community you getting me that's the problem that's the problem we've created among our among our mosques that's the problem we've created among our groups among our clubs and it needs to stop it needs to stop. Let me tell you something. I am in a chat, a little Discord thing with a bunch of sisters that are reverts, right? And in that revert chat, I have some girls that I'm just like beyond close to, like beyond close. We talk every day, all of that. And what we did was we also have like a group chat on Instagram. And we talk all the time. We talk every day. And any single time there's any new sister that joins, you know, any new sing- sister that reverts or that we know someone that's looking for community, without a shout of a doubt, we throw them in it. We're like, hey, come on, join our group chat. Let's all hang out. Let's all talk. And although it's online, my here's my point. We've never hesitated to let someone new in. And that's my point here. Whether it's locally, whether it's online, stop hesitating to let new people in your circle. You know, it's so hard being Muslim because Islam is you know, one of the, I'm sorry, one of the, what's happening? Am I okay? One of the world's largest, fastest growing religions in the world. Yet, so many of us are struggling to even have a community. Islam is literally growing like rapid fire. You see someone taking their shahada every day, yet there's still a lack of community. Why? And that's because we are singling people out. You know, there's some racism that happens. There's some people that think that they're more superior to others. I don't know if you guys have known this, but Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said how like no Arab has superior over non-Arab. No race has any superior over anyone else, really, unless through righteousness, unless through piety. So remember that. And if you are truly pious and you are truly righteous, you'll know that no one, doesn't matter what color they are, doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter where their family's from, you'll know that you're not better than them. And they're not better than you, unless both of you are working together to fix your pious level. Is that okay? Your pious factor? Your, your Iman. Unless you're working together to fix your Iman, then that's something. And y'all helping each other out, y'all taking care of each other. Otherwise, if you think that you're better than someone else just for the sake of it, you're not, you're not following what we teach. You're not following what we teach correctly. Me and you have no right to determine that we're better than someone else. Who are we? Like, who gave you this much right? You get me? Do not keep this arrogance. Don't keep this stuck up figure that, oh, you know, I'm so involved in the community. I'm so rich. I'm, I go to a pristine college and I'm pristine job. My family do this. And, you know, I drive this car to the mosque every day and I'm so involved and I don't want anyone else near my circle. Get off your high horse. This is Islam. This is not about your personal cultural little life. This is Islam. This is where we welcome every single person. This is where the religion is growing fast as it could be. This is where wealth and your material items do not matter. So don't sit there and gain pride off that. Okay? I'm so passionate about this topic and I absolutely hate, hate people that are like this. Y'all know how many girls be at the mosque and they have all this attitude because, like, their husband or something that he's something else and he's like, he's pretty big and he makes lots of dough and whatever. Girl, sit down. Sit down. Like, I'm so tired of the way that you guys act so arrogant about. Your own personal life in regards to Islam. When you're at the mosque. The only thing that matters is your iman. I don't care what car you came in. I don't care who your husband is. I don't care what he does. I don't care how much money you make. What matters right now is my iman. Your iman. We're in the home of God. We're going to fix this. That's it. It's about fixing your relationship with God. It's about being there praying, interacting, and growing with one another, but you two busy sitting here worrying about how, you know, telling everyone how your husband has his brand new car, and like, y'all came in this, and you're so gatekeepy about your little circle, you don't want to let a new revert in, you don't want to let a new sister in, you're like, oh, we don't know where they're from, what's their family like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what race they're from, it doesn't matter what their family's like, what matters is, do they need help with their iman? It's your job to go out there and help them, it is your job, heard me? Are y'all listening to me real quickly? I don't care if you're a boy or a girl. I don't care what you are. It is our job to make sure that our other brothers and sisters in our faith are okay. And that they are okay with not only the religion, but also their faith. Are they going through faith tribulations? I always ask this to everyone, even if I don't know them. Especially in these past few days, if you've DM'd, you know, I've asked you this. Are you, is there something you're going with? Is there something that's going on in your iman that you are unable to answer like maybe i can help you that's my point maybe you can help someone so get off your high horse get off this little i'm so you know gatekeepy this is my circle we're elites we're the best people and realize that what you're doing is not what's what, not what we write in islam it's not what we do here so i just kind of wanted to put that in here especially for my sisters because you know i don't know I don't, i've never been on the men's side of a mosque i have no clue what that looks like but i just feel like men when they're in the mosque you know, they just stand next to each other. They just pray. And then it's like, oh, hey, you want to go out and eat? Like, I, as far as what I've heard, like, that's it. That's all that happens. I mean, I bet there are some in there that, you know, that are kind of superior. that kind of think they're better than anyone. But, like, girls, like, they'll stare dead at you. They won't say salam. They won't say nothing. They'll just be staring at you. And then, like, they'll all huddle up and start talking. Like, girl, where are we? This ain't the bazaar. Come on, girl. We're in the mosque. And <clears throat> just, I hate it. I hate it. So I wanted to put that in there for my girls. So one thing that I do want to also mention is worthy prayers, suburb and mental health and all these types of things. And you might be wondering what worthy prayer is. So essentially, this term really came up to my attention when I was DMing this girl recently. And she says to me, I commit so many sins. So I just genuinely do not think I'm worthy enough of praying. Like, what's the point of my prayer? You know, like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to commit a sin again. I'm not worthy enough to pray. I'm not good enough to pray. And my prayers also aren't like bomb. Like, why would God care? You know what I'm saying? and i honestly understand with the sister so much that's why i'm mentioning it in here because i felt like that for ages like i was the type of person where i would pray get up mess up again and it's so training it's it's it becomes hard because you know you're messing up again you're repenting and you're wondering is god gonna accept it is god gonna accept it of course he's gonna accept it why won't he if he wasn't gonna accept it he wouldn't have led you to ask for it so when it comes to your prayers I, i tell this to everyone prayer overpowers sin if you think that you're too sinful to be praying you're out of your mind. Prayer is for the sinful. If God wanted you to be perfect, he'd make you an angel. I tell this to everybody. If God wanted you to be perfect, you'd be an angel. So you're bound to mess up. You're bound to, you know, slip off in life. But one thing that we should all be fearing is living our life as a Muslim and dying as a kafir. Like, come on, girl, do not let go of your prayers. Do not. I don't. Even if you feel like you you don't have a connection, even if you feel like you're not feeling God's presence, even if you feel like you don't even know how to pronounce the words right, it's been so long, or your mind is somewhere else flying around, you know you're gonna commit a sin after. I don't care what your condition is, God doesn't care what your condition is. If you got the courage to get up, do what you do and get on the prayer mat you have automatically, first of all, washed off a crap ton of your sins. They're just falling off of you already. And now, if you put your heart into this, you start praying, you really get up in there, automatically fixing more problems. Prayer is for the healing. Prayer is for a gift. And we need to really, really imply and use this gift. Like I mentioned earlier, success comes from prayer. And I understand that some of us, we think that we're not good enough to pray. But and I mentioned this earlier as well. Allah does not burden you more than you can bear. So while you may feel like you're not good enough to pray, Allah has still given you this honor. So the way that you should view it is realize that since God has given me this honor, I might as well step up and be the best at what be the best at it. Be the best at what I can do. Be the best at it to my fullest ability. Simple. You know, I have this revert sister that I know, and she gets really discouraged by prayer because she doesn't know how to pronounce the Arabic perfectly. You know that that's a problem with a lot of the reverts. It's not easy. Even being born Muslim, like when you're reading like a chapter in the Quran that you probably never been across, you end up stuttering. And I want to mention in here that if you're stuttering and struggling to, you know, pronounce the Arabic during your prayers and whatnot, you get twice the reward. I don't know if y'all knew about that, but you get more reward if you're struggling. And even though you're struggling, you're still persevering. You're still going through it. So you should be proud of yourself and you should know that God is part of you too, because your love for him is still keeping you here. Your love for him is still keeping you going. So be proud of yourself. Do not ever think that you're not worthy enough praying do not ever think that you're not worthy enough to you know talk to god why why are you not worthy enough because you commit sins ain't a big enough reason you got to give me a bigger one you have to give me a bigger one and you know i learned this beautiful thing recently and i want to share it with you guys isa al-islam aka jesus in islam right we consider him to be a prophet and there's this beautiful 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 story about how you know when he was kind of going through conflict with you know the priests and whatever they were preaching at the time and he was trying to you know spread the right message there was the situation where there was this um woman and she committed adultery and she was doing it to make money so she was she know she was being pinpointed for it the priests and everyone in the community gathered and they were like oh isa al-islam come give your judgment we're gonna stone her we're gonna stone her like she committed adultery and at the same time though, you know, Jesus, peace be upon him, he knew that she did it all because she just needed money. She was just going through a hard time. So he agreed and he was like, yeah, you're right. The punishment is adultery. But whoever has no sins can come forward and come stone her. And not one person could come and come forward and stone her. Because who's sinless? Who is sinless? Not even, not even back in the day, no one was sinless. So I'm, I'm mentioning this in here because if you think you're too sinful to pray, you're not. All of us, all of us. Are sinful all of us are but we're just going and we're just hoping that you know Allah will forgive us and he will only that I want to share another beautiful example with you guys is um Noah alayhi salam. I don't know if you guys know but you know when everything was happening and you know all the disbelievers were doing whatever they were doing Allah told Noah alayhi salam, to plant trees to plant so many trees and him and his little group of believers they were planting trees everywhere planting trees planting trees planting trees and everyone was making fun of them they're like why are you planting trees you know i think it was maybe 10 20 years later those same trees were cut down to make his boat and with that same tree with the same little boat tree thing that he planted and now he's using as a boat that is what got him out of there okay your prayer is very much the same You're going to have to plant the seeds. You're going to have to believe that you're worthy enough. You're going to have to believe that it doesn't matter if I'm sinful. I'm just still going to do it. And as you continue to be persistent and consistent, you're going to notice. Your trees are going to grow. And this prayer will take you through high waters. It will take you through it all. And it will rescue you. And you know, moreover, you have to believe in Allah's Qadr like nobody's business. And as I've been learning more about Islam, you know, one beautiful thing that stands out is Prophet Musa Alayhi salam's story. Um... How he had to be put in a basket. How he had to be just, you know, just in, a, in a basket casually in the river. And he have to be let go. Like, how many of you guys are even ready to put your child in a basket and let them just have to go? Girl, if I lose my kitties, I go crazy. Imagine doing that with a baby. Imagine. But Allah had something great planned for him. Allah had something insane planned for him. And one more example. I'm really watering these down, but um, Yusuf Al-Islam's story. You know how his family, like, there were so many brothers, there was so much going on. And after, you know, his brothers tried to kill him and then, you know, he got taken and all of this went on. And then eventually he ended up at, you know, the most highest place. He started off by getting, wanting, wanting to get killed by his own brothers. Fast forward a few years, he was standing in front of his own brothers, holding such a high position in the government, holding such a high position distributing rations to their own to his own siblings who are now starving and they're you know all this famine is going on and whatnot and here he is distributing them to the same people that tried to kill him think about it Allah will put you in front of people that will try to that will you know they'll really try to knock you down they'll really try to drown you but then Allah will put you in front of those same people again in a better position your job and my job is just to keep It is just to keep sabr. You know, it's really hard to have patience because we always hear, like, oh, you know, keep sabr, just have some sabr, you'll be okay. It's not okay. It's not easy. It's not easy to hold on when everything feels like it's falling off. It's not. But when you keep sabr and you keep the wakkal, and that means trust, by the way, you keep trust in Allah blindly with your full faith, you'll realize that no matter what happens, He will take care of your affair. It may not be perfect. It may not always be what you want it to be in your reality, but it's exactly what it needed to happen because that was in your Qadr. That is what Allah chose for you. So remember that. Remember these examples that I shared with you. What you're planting right now might be something that you're going to need 10, 20 years from now in the future. You may be around people right now that try to suffocate you right now. And don't waste your time trying to get jealous. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't waste your time getting jealous and revenge and anger and all this stuff. Don't. Pack it up. Let's go. Allah's going to put you in front of them in a better position later on. Either in this world or in the ahira. It's not our worry. Our job is not to sit here and set unrealistic expectations. That you know one day tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have the whole Quran memorized. Or that I haven't been praying you know five times a day. And then out of nowhere it's just going to get all perfect for me. That, that's not. That's not how it works. But if you stay consistent and you make the intention. You can move mountains with God's help. I promise. In the most simplest terms, you need to ask God for a lot. You need to ask God for big things because our God does big things. All right, my girl? He does big stuff. He can do anything. Like, you're asking him for stuff on this earth when he's, you know, taking care of everything. Oh, everything that's going on. This earth is very, very small in his comparison. You know what I'm saying? So you're asking someone that has infinite knowledge. To take care of you, to help you, what makes you think that you'll be let down? What makes you think that God wants to hurt you? And I always tell this to people rationally think about it. What makes you think God wants to hurt you? What is God gonna gain from hurting you? What is God gonna gain from you not praying? What is God gonna gain from you not being on your proper path? It's not gonna affect him. It's gonna affect you. And if you wanna be among those that are righteous, among those that are going to heaven and whatnot, you're gonna have to fix your own act. Again, I'm not saying to wake up and become perfect. I'm saying to be consistent and make the intention. When I started wanting to, you know, memorize the Quran and do all these different things in regards to Islam, everyone told me that I couldn't do it. People literally told me that it wouldn't work out. And I believed it. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to become a better person. But the question comes down to what if I die with the intention that I want to memorize the Quran, that I want to become better, that I want to, you know, do all these things. If I die on that intention, I'm going to be rewarded as if I did it. Likewise, if you die with the intention of not even wanting to become a better person, what are you dying on? Like, what's the base? You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. Always keep good hope. Always keep good intention. Always keep good expectation. Because even if you cannot completely, you know, be perfect and fulfill everything that you're supposed to and, you know, come off on the right end, you made the intention. And if you die upon it, you're winning. That's really all I want to say in regards to everything here. I hope I addressed everything okay. I hope that this was beneficial to someone. If you have anything you want me to talk about more in depth from this episode, please just reach out to me. I'm open I'm open to um, recommendations. I have an old girls discord. I want to mention that on here. It's just for girls, please. It's so funny when guys join and then they're like, oh, oops, and then they leave. And I'm just like, mm, yeah, you gotta go. I'm sorry. I have an old girls discord. Go ahead and join. I'm doing topics of the week on there What we'll be calling talking about a bunch of fun stuff and you know of course helping each other with your iman i want i want to once again say thank you thank you so much for everything i'm still astonished by everything and you know it's just this episode was a little bit abrupt everyone was like hey hurry up like up all we're waiting and i was just like oh my god i d not I even know i had people listening so thank you thank you so much may allah keep you all happy alaikum.